Welcome to Mindwave. This is Jenner. I'm going to keep the intro pretty short this episode because we have an action-packed interview coming up here. Uh, Today's episode is called Meltdown, and it's all about starting the conversation around nuclear power and getting some different perspectives on that. I was uh, fortunate enough to be able to have a little while to sit down with my buddy Phil Ord to talk through this issue and get his perspective, and um, I hope you like it. With that, I will bring you Phil Ord. My guest today is Phil Ord. Phil, thanks for coming on the show. How's it going? Good, man. How are you today? Pretty good. Just uh, fighting the good science fight. Excellent, excellent. So we are talking nuclear power today. I suppose we should uh, give people a breakdown of who you are and where you're coming from. So I guess let's start off. uh, Just tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I got a degree in biology from my local Jesuit college, Regis University in Denver, Colorado. And I was going to pursue a PhD in biomedical science, but I have kind of a severe illness, uh, genetic issue, and I just figured that would be a lot to put myself through, even though I definitely have the aptitude for it. I did a few intern summer internships at some medical research labs and the questions I was asking impressed a lot of people. So I, Hmm. you know, that kind of was kind of a bummer that I was just, I kind of realized, you know, the burnout culture in grad school and stuff, it's something a lot of people can handle, but I probably couldn't do it. So, I mean, I was a little bit kind of just lost in what I wanted to do. And then I stumbled upon a, documentary on Netflix, which everyone should watch, should be a required watch for climate change activists. It's called Pandora's Promise. And it's about how a group of like five or six environmentalists changed their mind on nuclear power when they actually saw some of the facts about it. And I was just like, man, I have always been a fan of nuclear power, but I always always told it was dangerous. And it turns out that's absolutely false. It is is probably the safest form of power ever devised by mankind, believe it or not. So, and I was like, look, we are facing climate change. I am very concerned about climate change. It's been politicized and I just want to fix it. And, you know, that's why I started my organization called Americans for Nuclear Energy. And I mean, it's not quite an organization yet. I'm still doing all the paperwork and I'm mm-hmm. kind of procrastinating, but mm-hmm. I have a various social medias. I have a website, uh, www.americansfornuclearenergy.org. Uh, you spell the whole thing out. I need to shorten the URL, but yeah. <laughs> I haven't found a good address yet. So, um, yeah. And I've been just reading up on energy stuff ever since, and I've found an amazing community online 
on Facebook of like-minded science people from all political spectrums because, believe it or not, science has nothing to do with politics. Yeah. It's, and I hate it, it when it gets politicized. Right. And it's – I I recently read this book called Enlightenment Now by Steven Pinker. Yes, uh, I think everyone should read that. It's on my – it's in my queue. <laughs> Definitely audio book it because it's pretty large. But he was talking about how on science issues, people's views on them are almost like major, majorly political. Uh, it, it's weird. So you see people that deny evolution more on the right because they're, you know, the conservative Christian or I should say evangelical Christian. Yeah. Uh, uh, they tend to, you know, be like, oh, well. We didn't evolve from an ape. And it's weird, though, because I grew up Catholic. I'm not Catholic anymore, but it it's weird. It, when you have things like the Big Bang or evolution, they just say God did it, you know? Yeah. So it's like, Short you know. Short answer that's not actually an answer. It's it's a it's a cop-out, I mean. But how? Right. How? <laughs> like, science tells yeah, you how. Yeah, well, it's I think Catholics are a little bit weird because they're more accepting of science than some segments of uh like more fundamentalist christian oh but yeah it's, it's also there's still a fair amount of climate i mean not climate denial uh a fair amount of like science denial especially when it comes to like sex and birth control whatnot uh but i i digress um but oh and then you see on the left a skepticism of gmos which yeah. I think is getting better, but there's still a long way to go. And uh, what's and I would say, the left has been kind of lied to by a lot of mainstream environmentalists that aren't science based. Oh yeah, I mean, and Greenpeace is the prime example there. They're the worst offenders because they uh, come Green, off. Yeah. They come off as this wonderful organization. They're saving the whales. No, I mean, like, that's how they started. Certainly. that was. I mean, that was great, even though their boat was powered by fossil fuels. It was a little hypocritical, but whatever. <laughs> uh, but no, the shit they're doing lately. I mean, uh, they're organizing, like, protests and trespassing and vandalism, defacing World Heritage sites and burning test crops. It's just like, yeah, no, this is this is an eco-terrorist group, guys. This is not a this is not a a thoughtful, lovey, you know, we love the planet. It's the same with PETA. PETA does the same shit and they kill how many fucking animals? Cuz it's not even about that. It's just like they they put on the the shiny veneer of, "Oh yeah, help us." with this awesome thing and be I mean you look behind the curtain and it's just like these guys are either lying on purpose to make money or they're severely misinformed on on the big issues because I mean I see it everywhere you just like there's a lot of anti-agriculture sentiment going around like oh you you know your farmers are trying to poison you and all these big corporations, they force farmers to do this and that. And that's going to be like a series of episodes that I'm going to do because that shit drives me crazy. Um, yeah, I, I read a Slate article that um, basically laid out the case for GMOs. I mean, I I would say I was a little bit skeptical, but you know, I was new in the science way of things. And I 
thought, well, maybe spraying Roundup on stuff mm. is kind of icky, but it turns out that it's actually one of the best options because you limit, yeah. yeah, you limit the amount of, I believe, the amount of carbon coming out of the soil from turning it over, mm-hmm. and you know it's just more efficient. Uh, you use end up using, I think, less water and less fossil fuel mm-hmm. to to weed, and if you glyphosate is probably one of the safest, you know, chemicals we use. And there's all these lawsuits, I believe they're in California, where, where, and people are like, you see, well, courtrooms don't decide science. They, you know, the the standard of proof for some of these cases is ridiculously low. Um, Yeah. I mean, one of the guys that won was already diagnosed with um, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma before he started the work on the farm exposing himself to glyphosate. So it's just... It's nonsense, but of course they're they're winning because it's it's a kangaroo court thing. They have no idea what the fuck they're talking about, and they go and they they point to IARC, which then they say no, the the World Health Organization says it causes cancer, except it fucking doesn't. It literally says it doesn't. That was IARC scandal. Oh my god, see this is gonna go for this is gonna go on forever because I I love all this stuff. Uh, but yeah, future episodes to come. I got uh, I got a couple farmers who are going to come on and talk about their stuff, and I'm hoping to get some uh, plant biologists and stuff yep. on the on the show to talk about that too. And like environmental scientists, not uh, activists, because it's the activists sure. are problematic. Uh, shifting back into gear, that was a, that was a, a nice uh, detour. Uh, shifting back into gear, what are some of the claims? made by anti-nuclear activists that drive you crazy the most like what are what are the worst ones that just got it yeah so we almost have a list of automatic rebuttals to certain claims whenever you say i want nuclear power or nuclear power is the solution to climate change you get two questions and it's they're always the same what about chernobyl and fukushima Mm-hmm. And what about the waste? Mm-hmm. And both of those things are blown so out of proportion. It it it's sad because there's so much hope. This technology has always offered humanity. Um, so, for example, Chernobyl and Fukushima. When people say, "Oh, what about Fukushima?" No one died from radiation. Yeah. No one got sick from radiation. There was one person that got cancer, but you can't – they couldn't pin it to radiation from the disaster. Uh, do you know how many people died of the tsunami? Upwards of 10,000. That was the tragedy. Yeah. Fukushima was a was an exciting news story. And, you know – they evacuated a whole bunch of people, and that actually killed a few hundred. Um, when, you know, I can understand governments can panic, but we we know now, ever since Fukushima, that if there is a nuclear incident, the best way is to shelter in place until you know where the pollutants are. Um, so, and. If you realize that this was a 
General Electric Mark One reactor, um, which and new reactors now we have so many safety mechanisms they're almost walk away safe. So that's enough about Fukushima. Uh, you know, it was sad also after Fukushima, Japan closed all their nuclear reactors and oh, their shit. carbon footprint. Know. Yeah, it shot up and they're slowly opening them again. But but no, you cannot point to Fukushima and say, oh, that's that makes nuclear power an impossible solution. No, Chernobyl was definitely worse. About outright probably killed about 50 people, mostly firefighters and plant workers. Uh, there were very brave firefighters that went in. They didn't know what they, you know, what kind of doses they were receiving, but it was enough to to cause acute radiation sickness and ultimately death. So those are heroes of science in my book. You know, things can go wrong in science and it doesn't mean that you have to abandon them. Um, you know, we, what else was I going to say? Um, yeah. And so they're thinking maybe, maybe 2000 cases of thyroid cancer ish from the potassium, no, sorry, the iodine, radioactive iodine isotope that fission reaction produces, um, that basically the radioactive iodine kind of concentrates in the thyroid gland and leads to, to cancer because it's, you know, damaging to the cells. Uh, and the thing is about thyroid cancer is it's one of the most treatable cancers out there it's simply a matter of removal of the thyroid and then some like i think you get take some synthetic hormones i believe or some way to, there's a way to synthetically replace what the thyroid does to your body so uh and it's like a 90 upwards of 90 percent survival rate and the thing is if you can detect it it's almost entirely curable so hmm. the idea is was it a radiation death or radiation cancer or necessarily a cancer from lack of health care. Yeah. So it, you know, and so it's very hard. There is no way to know how many people got cancer from Chernobyl. And it, chances are, you know, the research of the World Health Organization, you know, is not, it's not very grim. It, uh, it's not as that's what people, you know, think it is. And a lot of these increase of cancers you can't detect because they're within error. Um, like an increase, like you would see, like they're they're within natural levels of cancers. Oh, right. What's so, I'm not a researcher, but there's a there's a term for that. Uh, not margin of error. Uh, the other one, I don't know. <laughs> I think my thought is that most of the sentiment, I think, is all due to Hiroshima and Nagasaki. I think that freaked people the fuck out. Because, I mean, we had the little tests here, but seeing that, you know, like, global stage, seeing what those things could fucking do, it made people... So they hear the word nuclear, 
and it just sets them off. I mean, before before that, like when it first came out, it was like the technology of the future will save the planet. You know, it was just like awesome amounts of free energy. You know, it was like 30s, 40s, and then that shit happened. Uh, uh, ooh. It was more the 50s ooh. and 60s, but yes, yeah, act, yeah. but it's interesting though because that was the beginning of the mega bomb age. You know, Ivy Mike happened in the 50s or I forget the Castle Bravo, those, you know, H-bomb tests. And but that's what things were very scary. Like my dad remembers Duck and Cover. Uh, but interestingly enough, in the 50s and 60s, nuclear power, people loved the idea of it. Even places like the Sierra Club, they're just like, hey, we don't have to dam rivers anymore, you guys. We can just build a nuclear power plant. And free, I mean, not free, but just constant CO2 free energy with very little footprint. Mm-hmm. And, um, but then we started, the environmentalist movement started to adopt principles of basically Thomas Malthus from, I, forget, I think it was 1800s or 1700s. Uh, he was this ecologist that basically thought the world would overpopulate itself to death, mm-hmm. which never happened because humans oh, are yeah, smart. Because yep. humans are smart and we develop technology to cheat. You know, basically you cheat nature. And uh, so that gave rise to the idea of, oh, we need a degrowth economy. We cannot grow anymore. And if we keep, if the more rich people get, the more kids they're going to have. Well, actually, turned out turns out the opposite is the case. The more energy you use, the more prosperous life you have, mm. and you have more access to other services like healthcare, and women tend to have fewer and healthier children. Mm. So energy, ironically, cause is probably the best way to fight overpopulation that we know of, because economy... All, all of the industrial revolution and, you know, the economies we have today are all based upon very cheap and abundant energy. Mm. So that's that's where they went wrong. But that idea kind of sprang up in the in the 70s, especially after Paul Ehrlich's book called The Population Bomb. And, you know, so it, it was kind of a, a a philosophy that kind of poisoned the environmental movement. Uh, and now it's just it's been co-opted by basically one political party, uh, but and the you know more radical among them, which is interesting because the first conservationists were Republican, uh, mm-hmm. Teddy Roosevelt, you know people like that. So it's an interesting story, but it basically turns out that that way to look at the environment is just factually incorrect, and the problem is with environmentalism now is it it should be a science but now it's a political philosophy and yeah. we just can't run it like that so i i mean i i digress but that is kind of where where things ended up and you know but there are people thinking more pragmatically about the environment uh if anybody's interested look up eco modernism uh go to ecomodernism.org and it's a new school of thought on the environment that is very scientific 
They're pro-GMO. They're pro-nuclear power. They're pro-urbanism. They reject the idea of living off the land because the more humans leave land alone, the, the better it is. For example, interestingly enough, after Chernobyl, the exclusion zone turned it into one of the most thriving nature preserves in, I think, Eastern Europe. Uh, so, and there's elevated levels of radiation, but it's not killing the animals or anything. There's there's bears, there's boars, you know, apex predators are back, like wolves. It's it's amazing. So eco-modernism talks about, you know, let's use the least amount of, like, nature to to survive like our habitat should be cities and um we could get to a point where maybe half the earth is wild yeah they call it rewilding and the the philosophy is called decoupling so humans if we isolate ourselves in cities with intensive agriculture maybe vertical greenhouses and stuff Mm -hmm. uh we can you know we can let nature heal but this idea that nature will always was once pristine right. uh, is is not true for example like there used to be uh, i think some paleontologist i think it's a paleontologist that studies this but they think that north america used to have like a serengeti with like saber-toothed tigers sloths all sorts of animals but there's evidence that during the ice age Native peoples hunted them all to death. Yeah. So, so you know, humans have had an effect on nature. I mean, you get past the idea that nature will be pristine again. It needs to heal. And basically the idea is let's use technology to give us what we need and rely on nature less. And nuclear power does that because it's very, very energy dense and emits zero, you know, greenhouse gas waste. Yeah. So. And the actual the actual nuclear waste, isn't it like all every barrel of nuclear waste from reactors could fit inside like a McDonald's or something? Is isn't it just like a super small amount? So let's. I was going to get to waste because we were talking about uh, yeah. Fukushima, Chernobyl, and then the other argument people bring up is is the waste and. That's probably one of the most lied about things of nuclear power is the, you know, scaremongering of the waste. So the Simpsons did not help, even though I love that show. Um, Basically, they have rusty oil barrels full of green goo, Mm -hmm. and there is no green goo. That is a complete fabrication. I don't even know where they came up with it. I think it came from the old days when they used to paint with radium paint on like watches and stuff. Mm-hmm. So basically it was like glow in the dark paint right. using radium and radium's natural by the way, but mm-hmm. it, it'll fuck you up. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but there's no green goo. All, all the quote unquote waste is, is spent fuel. They're in ceramic pellets. You know, once they come out of the act, reactor, yes, they're screamingly radioactive and, you do not want to be near them. So they keep them like underwater in these big pools, mm-hmm. um, these spent fuel rods. And the water is a great shield and they leave it in there for about 10 years before it's settled down enough that you can put it in a 
uh, canister called the dry cask, and it's not a rusty oil drum. It's this concrete and steel reinforced, enormous, just just hunk of, you know, impenetrable material. And it's it's almost overboard, too. Let's say something bad happened and somebody sent a Tomahawk missile and hit one of those dry casks. It's not like it's the end of the world. The Most of the radiation has, you know, decreased to manageable levels by then. And the fission products only last about 300 years. So this idea of 120,000 years for nuclear waste is, is, is not true. Uh, well, that's for plutonium. Plutonium, I forget. I think it's like 250,000 years for half-life. Uh, but plutonium is not, it's not deadly just to, like you could hold plutonium. You just don't want to like lick it or eat it and, <laughs> or, or hang out with it for extended periods of time. Um, and then there's uranium. And they're just like, oh, it has like, it's a billion year half-life. I'm just like, yes, but uranium exists in the Earth's crust naturally. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, you know, you would, in fact, if you like ate a chunk of uranium, you would die of heavy metal poisoning, not mm-hmm. from radiation. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing you don't want to do, though, is is inhale particulate matter because that has naturally occurring radioactive elements, which is why right, right. smokers have some of the most, they are exposed to the most amount of radiation, even more than astronauts. So basically the idea is out there, mm. try to try to cut out smoking for sure. Um, <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah. And, and the waste is all contained name one other name, any fossil fuel that is 100% contained in the waste. They have coal ash. Coal ash is highly radioactive and it's natural. You know, people have this idea that like, Oh, radioactivity is man-made. No radioactivity no. is part, part and Everywhere. parcel of, of the universe. Yeah. Yeah. But so the really it's so like I say, after you bring it out of the reactor, fresh from a fission reaction, it, it, it it's it's going to be hot for a while. So that's like when you have to be very careful. Um, but, you know, the the idea that nuclear waste is an existential threat is absolutely false. It's all contained. There's not very much of it. Yeah. Uh, it's in a solid form. People are like, you know, people keep fighting to put it in Yucca Mountain. I've already spent billions of dollars. It's not a perfect place, but people act as if, you know, we have to isolate this away from ever when, in fact, most of it is unused fuel because the fuel pellets in the rods themselves just start to wear out because of, uh, you know, like, for example, a fission product, I think, is, is, I think it's radon. It's a gas. And it basically bubbles out of the, ceramic pellet causing it to crack and once you crack you can't get as good of uh fission anymore mm-hmm. so it, it's it's unused fuel and then a, another byproduct of you know uranium 235 in our nuclear reactor is it absorbs neutrons and turns into plutonium so that plutonium it's just a small bit of it once you you know you're done with your you know your rods out of the reactor um but you can use that as new fuel. Yeah. Forever. That's something that's talked about really. Like you could conceivably right. make a containment facility to store all of the old rods 
and also harness power from them at the same time. Well, we already do. France mm-hmm. reprocesses their fuel rods and they lock away their the, the fission products, which are the annoyingly radioactive, you know, you know, uh, like split atoms, basically. They're, they're, they're what happens after you split the uranium. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the daughter products is what they call them. They're quite unstable. But interestingly enough, the more unstable and more radioactive something is, the shorter the half-life. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you think about it, like the longer the half-life, the safer the, the material is because it's, you know, it's, it's how fast it disintegrates. If that makes sense. Right. Um, so, and I'm not a nuclear physicist, but I, I, I get the general idea and mm-hmm. yeah. So nuclear waste is, is really not an issue. It, it's not, it's the, it's the best type of waste because mm-hmm. you can contain all of it and recycle it for eternity. And heck you can even use thorium uh, from the ground, which is all the same, mostly the same isotope. And if you put that in a reactor, you can turn it into more uranium, which means more fuel. And mm-hmm. thorium's four times more abundant in the Earth's crust. We will never run out of fissionable material, ever. There's just so much of it, and the energy density is so incredibly high. You, you know, it's it's essentially a... We talk about renewable energy, that doesn't really mean anything. It's a more of a marketing term, but the most renewable form of energy, in my opinion, is nuclear power because mm-hmm. you, don't, you don't have to build all these machines and you don't have to worry about weather and the intermittency issue. Um, so, yeah, waste is not an issue. And if anything, people should embrace nuclear waste. Like, for example, when people are like, do you want nuclear waste in your backyard? Sure, I'll have a dry cask in my backyard. I can go hug it. Mm. There there no radiation escapes from these things and Ooh. even if it did crack open it's not the end of the world mm. you just pick it up and fix it you know <laughs> got a little connection issue there for a minute oh, um, oh i forgot i forgot where i was going to shift to um oh the the shutting down of the reactors cuz you mentioned you mentioned japan i know that's happening all over the place here um California shut their last one down a couple years ago. What, what do you uh, know they're, about? They're, they, sorry, California still has one left. It's Diablo Canyon. And if they try to close that one, I'm chaining myself to it. No, I thought Diablo Canyon cl- closed. I thought did... it's scheduled to close. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Well, that would hike up the prices of electricity for people. And yeah, when it comes to the price issue, it's so complicated to what the news media says. Um, electricity markets are like a minute by minute thing. So you have these people called grid operators that are juggling all sorts of different power sources to meet demand. And the supply needs to meet demand exactly. Otherwise, your grid doesn't work. So it's a it's a balancing act. So depending on what's available and when your price of that electricity changes. So in the middle of the day without clouds in California, you'll get a good surge of solar power and they need to get rid of it. So they're going to sell it at a lower price. Mm-hmm. And then people take that and be like, Oh, look at how cheap they got that solar. And then they use that price to compare it to other 
sources of electricity like fossil fuel. And it, it's a very easy to manipulate your numbers to make it seem like it's it's better than it is. And per kilowatt hour, renewables get, or wind and solar specifically, get the lion's share of subsidies. It's almost like the government's paying it to exist. So the idea that it's that wind and solar are getting cheaper than fossil fuel is is not true. It's just not true. And, you know, like, for example, they use the metric called levelized cost of electricity. So that's basically they take a solar plant or a solar farm and they take all of its generation over its lifetime versus how much it costs to put it up. That's very simplistic because you forget about transmission. You forget about the times when uh, it's not profitable, when it's turned off. Uh, you know, you have to think of energy in, you know, in the proper way. And one of the downfalls of wind and solar is it's intermittent. You're relying on, you know, you know, the sun and the wind. And people have this idea that like solar panels are generating electricity when it's still a bit cloudy out. No, if there is any sort of particle in between the sun and the solar panel, really, uh, that's not, you know, clear like the atmosphere, it it will just destroy your efficiency of your solar panel. Solar panels are very hard to maintain. They they just, you know, you have to have the angle right. You know, if, if anything, we should have solar panels tracking the sun, but most of them are stationary. Mm -hmm. And that angle of incidence is extremely important. Um, so I kind of got off topic, but they received mm -hmm. the lion's share of this, wind and solar receives the lion's share the subsidy per kilowatt hour. And if it were up to me, let's stop subsidizing any electricity and, and price price carbon. Yeah. Maybe. You so, you know, that's that's what many economists say we should do. Because in my mind, who gets to pollute for free? But it's easy to say, oh, climate change doesn't exist, so carbon dioxide's just fine. Mm -hmm. You know it's just it's just plant food. Plant food. Oh my <laughs> that is I the hate most that one. <laughs> I mean that's that's grade school. Yeah. Like it's like third grade. Playground stuff. You when it's you learn plant food. When you learn the the cycle of, you know, like the CO2 cycle, you you learn that in what? Like 5th, 6th grade at like the latest. You learn the water cycle, you learn the CO2 cycle. Trees make the oxygen. People breathe the oxygen, breathe out carbon dioxide. Plants take carbon dioxide, make, you know, and it's the Yeah. And, and, you learn and the that thing shit is, when you're like in 6th grade, but it's there's, yeah, it's you take away trees, you make more. Hello, a a ten year old could figure this out. It's not. It, yeah, well, it's like it stops being plant food when your phytoplankton yeah. in the ocean all dissolve because it's too acidic now. Yeah, and you drop out most of the oxygen pr production of the planet. This is serious stuff. Yeah. Ocean acidification is the is the other. You know, boogeyman, climate change. Yeah, that's going to be rough. But are we? We're stepping towards a point where we're going to kill most of the life in the ocean. It's not plastic. It's not nuclear radiation. It's literally carbon dioxide. That's going to. Yeah. You know, carbon dioxide. We we need to be, we need to be careful with it, because it has caused major extinctions in the past, and it's, I don't know, it's scary. But I mean, I'm not going to panic. Terrifying. 
Yeah, when I'm not going to. When pant. I think about the ocean dying, people don't realize that's where half of our oxygen comes from. People are like plants and trees. No, half of our oxygen comes from yep. phytoplankton in the ocean that are a vital part of the fucking food chain. If we lose them, we lose everything. Yeah, and, and and the oceans cannot can only take a certain amount of carbon dioxide and sequester it in like things like limestone. Like there's upper limits to what life can do. Right. Um, and we do not want to get that out of balance. And in my opinion, there is one energy source that fits the bill for everything we need as society. It's like reliability. Nuclear power has a capacity factor of 90% when solar has like 10. Capacity, for those that, I had to learn all these terms, but there's capacity and generation. Generation is the amount of kilowatt hours you produce. So the amount of energy you produce. Um, capacity is the amount of power you're capable of producing in like watts, I believe. So, um, you know, you may have a one gigawatt massive, I mean, one gigawatt would be huge, but, uh, you know, okay, let's say a 50 megawatt solar power installation. 50 megawatt is its capacity, but it's not generating that most of the time. So its capacity factor, which is a percentage, is, is like 10%. When nuclear, it's part of it because it's hard to kind of rev it up and down really fast. They run it at a 90% uh, capacity factor. So it, it, it just produces more power, more, more reliably. Mm-hmm. So... Just on a basic and, physics level. Right. And yeah. and the energy density density is a big issue for energy. And the more dense your energy is, the you know, easier it is to produce. Uh, like fossil fuel companies have a hard job. They have to take all of this chemical energy and transfer it and burn it. And it's a lot. But nuclear power, like a uranium two thirty five atom has 2 million times more energy than a hydrocarbon bond. 2 million. That, people are trying to get efficiencies up, like, you know, percentage points. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a factor of, uh, how many orders of magnitude is that? Like six orders of magnitude almost, I believe. I, I, I forget. Yeah, just... Just a lot. It's stupid. It's it's stupid amounts of power, with no emissions. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's see. No what's brain. another? Yeah. What's another? You know. What else do we need for energy? Um, it needs to be cheap. You mm-hmm. could make these things hypothetically cheaper than coal, or you know the idea of too cheap to meter, but we blocked the technology before we could get to that point. Yeah, um, it pays for itself at some point, presumably. Because the yeah, fuel lasts and, forever, pretty much. And the, and the costs to build these reactors are not as high as people think it is. It's high in the United States mm. because of bad regulation and, you know, all this hoops you have to go through. Like, there's this power plant in Georgia, plant uh, Vogel, Vogel, plant Vogel, V-O-G-T-L-E. It's, it's like 15 billion dollars when the Chinese can do this for two two like the Koreans can do it for two 
uh, South Koreans, not North so Koreans. I was just going to say, yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't um, and, and, and the Russians are starting to, they have a state-owned nuclear power company called Rosatom. And it's it's not Chernobyl shit. This is new stuff. Yeah, that's they're going to be able to do do a lot cheaper. And there's no reason why we should fall behind in this country. And I'm going to be kind of patriotic here because we invented that shit. We got the first, you know, nuclear reactor to light light bulbs ever. Uh, I think that was in Idaho National Laboratory. Uh, and like we invented the bomb. You know, I don't. I do not want to conflate bombs and nuclear power. <laughs> That's another fallacy yeah. we'll have to get into. Uh, but we, nuclear technology started here, really. I think a little bit in uh, Soviet Union, too. But I think basically both powers were going down that route. And um, so, yeah, it's a, and it's a shame that we're we're losing out on it because I think, you know, what America could do is perfect the technology implemented here and then sell it to developing countries. And the, yeah. And the people need to realize that energy is follows the simplest rules of economics. Uh, and until we can get carbon free energy cheaper than coal, it's game over for the climate because no developing country is going to use expensive energy. And we got to get out of this idea that, we need to just spend trillions and trillions of dollars to replace everything to more expensive energy. That's not going to happen because everything you see and touch that's man-made has a lot of energy behind it. So, what percentage of our of our grid right now is actually wind and solar? Do you know? I think I think it's, it's, it's solar. I think small. I think right? combined, they're less. Maybe let me check. I think there are like nine yeah. percent. But remember that's that's intermittent, so yeah. that has to be backed up by gas. Um, nuclear is twenty percent mm. of our electricity, um, and it could have been a hundred percent if we didn't get spooked by Three Mile Island in Chernobyl. We were on a building bonanza for nuclear power, and if we didn't, if we kept the rate we were in the early 70s, we would have been 100% nuclear-powered electricity by 2000. 2000. So we missed that. It's, yeah. it, 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 it's sad. It's heartbreaking because it's, it, it's, it's, what, it's, it's magic that we invented nuclear power at the time when we started to realize the climate change effect was going to really be dangerous you know it's it's I, i'm just like i think our lucky stars we invented it because if we could not like it gives us an out we have a chance to fix it to fix the climate issue to stop emitting carbon dioxide on a like net positive basis forever people have this idea oh we'll just use less energy no we need to stop using anything that combusts for power everything and how are we going to do that what what a windmill and a solar panel it's it's just crazy to me and i you know uh, it's almost sacrilege to criticize wind and solar because when people see that they're just like oh cutting edge science well technically it is because you're building these cool new machines but it still doesn't negate the fact that they don't produce all the time 
So, you know, and, and uh, here's an interesting fact. Of all the countries that have decarbonized their electric grid above 90%, just Norway, Sweden, Finland's getting there. Uh, France, Ontario, Washington State, Puerto Rico, I think there's a few others, uh, have are 90% plus carbon-free on their electric grid. And they do that with two sources, hydro and nuclear. Why? Because they're consistent. Wind and solar is not solving the problem in Germany. Their emissions have barely budged, and they were dumb and shut down their nuclear, starting to shut down their nuclear power plants because they got spooked by Fukushima. And it's obnoxious because Angela Merkel is a physicist. Mm. She should know better. Where Germany is failing, their energy prices are, uh, I believe, three times higher than that of the United States. But oh. United States. Our governments are very good at making sure energy is cheap for everybody, which is actually a, a good decision. You want energy to be cheap because it, it allows, you know, the cost of living to decrease. Uh, but, but yeah, and, and France is selling nuclear power to Germany when their renewables aren't aren't operating, uh, and. Yeah, it's it's called the energy vend, E N E R G I E W E N D. It's like I think it means energy transition or something. Mm. It has a failed policy in Germany, mm. and it's not doing anything for climate change. So we need to look at that and be like, they're doing it wrong. What do we need to do to make it right? France, I don't know. Let's see. I think Germany's been working on this energy vend for about twenty years, and they've decreased their emissions a little bit, but they're opening lignite coal plants which is the worst type of coal you can burn and they're massive holes in the ground they're huge the largest coal mine on earth is in germany and it's the filthiest coal you can burn so it's people consider germany a climate leader they are not they are not in the slightest so it's 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 a lie it's a literal lie like i don't say the word lie like lightly but it, it it's not but then the, the the press and the media puts out facts just like, oh, on this day, Germany got all of their energy from renewables. Yeah, on that one day when there was enough wind and sunshine, you know. Uh, so, and then they say, oh, it's it's fossil. F I mean, renewable energy is now cheaper than coal, which is a total another bogus argument. It's it's just not the case. It's not the case anywhere. Everywhere you rely more on wind and solar, your energy prices go up. In California, they have twice the national average of energy costs. You know, uh, so I know I'm kind of rambling on here, but it's... No, it's good. I mean, people don't yeah. know this stuff, and that's that's kind of why I want to uh, get get the conversation out there and then get the resources out there. All the, all the stuff that um, you've listed so far throughout the episode, I'm going to put links to all that stuff in the show notes so that people can find your organization and what you guys are doing and find the resources to really, if they want to dig into this stuff themselves and find out what, what the facts really, really are. What and is we, the safest thing that we can do? And it's, and, it's clean and nuclear. We have a resources section on our website. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, uh, we also we have a public Google Drive. People can view our documents. We have oh, uh, cool. we have like a list of media articles, like over 150 
to 200, I think I, I was working on the list. We have that in a, like an Excel spreadsheet, not a Google Sheets, but uh, you you know you can't edit it. It's just view only. Right, right, right. And uh, we have you know uh, scholarly scientific journal articles. Uh, we have it, uh, tons of infographics. We have some fun memes. We've got mm -hmm. all sorts of stuff. So definitely check us out. Uh, again, then that's AmericansForNuclearEnergy.org. All one word. So, but I mean, I'm not saying we can just stop here. I mean, I'm willing to keep talking if. Oh no, absolutely. Want to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, but I try to. I want to be like a library of resources that's saying this is. I'm. We're telling the truth. Don't take right. our word for it. You know, skepticism is good. But, you know, you're not a skeptic if you don't look at the evidence. <laughs> exactly. You know? Exactly. So, um, but, but yeah, but nuclear power, I think also just represents something very good for humanity. It's just what we can do with, if energy was not a problem to produce and use, and it's like almost no strings attached, mm -hmm. what kind of things could we do with it? We, we can lift so many people out of poverty by just getting them connected to a grid that's centrally powered by big nuclear power plants. You know, 300 million Indians still do not have access to electricity. And Greenpeace will say, oh, well, they're green because they're using biofuel. Do you understand how bad being by a campfire is every day of your life? We go camping for fun. Have, you know, a uh, go to a campfire. Smoke is terrible for you. It's awful. And it's it 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 kills people, and you know honestly, I uh, James Hansen, uh, former no he is, he's still a climate scientist, but he used to work for NASA Goddard Center. Mm -hmm. uh, they did a study, and I can uh, that's in our periodical, uh, sorry, our peer reviewed list of PDF articles, um, and it's. Um, Nuclear power has saved about two million lives to date wow. because of lack, because of the limited particulate matter. I mean, you don't even have to believe in climate change to say, hey, we don't have to burn stuff anymore. Yeah. Like, you know, and I, maybe that's why people are apprehensive about nuclear, because it's so different from, you know, combustion that it's, yeah, people, you know, it kind of spooks people out. Un but Unless they've but, taken yeah. really basic physics, they don't have any idea how it works. And they're like, it could turn into a bomb at any minute. And like that, that's, it's just not how it works. Right. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. so I, I want people listening to go on YouTube and look up a nuclear reactor startup. Mm -hmm. It's magical. It is a, it glows in Iron Man blue. Mm -hmm. It's called Shrenkov radiation. I think that's how you say it. Shurenkov radiation. Uh, basically, so there's a speed of light in particular mediums. So right. in a vacuum, it's the speed of light. Mm -hmm. In other mediums, it's a little bit less than that. Yeah. So what Shurenkov radiation down. is, right. So what Shurenkov radiation is, is particles that move faster than the, the speed of light of a media. Not faster than the speed of light. That's impossible. But, right. you know, right. but it, it produces this, this beautiful electric blue glow that if we could show kids that 
they would love it. It's it's like Iron Man's arc reactor in yeah. his chest. He's not using wind and solar. He's not <laughs> using energy efficiency. He's he's got unlimited energy on tap, and that's I don't know. I, yeah, it it's almost becomes. That's why it's such an obsession of mine because it's it represents more than just a healthy climate. It it represents yeah. energy liberation. The future. It's it's it is it's the future, the future that we we thought we were going to have. You know, we thought we'd be in flying cars and living on Mars by now. You know, going back decades. But America has really failed on being the world leader on a lot of things. On a lot oh, of things. Yeah. In, and in we used to be. And we yeah, used to be, but I think that's I, uh, because post-war post-war you know we kind of you know everyone else's economies was kind of in the shitter and that's what allowed us to kind of be the big innovators and i think we need to get we need to get back to that i think uh you know a wealth of a nation is very much dependent on how much r d we do so the national labs are an amazing array of you know physics labs that were were eventually originally for military but mm-hmm. most of them are civilian now, and uh, that's where we get the raw materials for innovation. Uh, you know, because if you produce a patent uh, with government funds, it's open to everybody. Mm. You know, so it's like an open source type thing. Um, but yeah, just I just don't. It's just so sad that people are not. There aren't many people out there that adamantly support nuclear power, mm. and I'm just trying to think. Elon Musk could be the guy to make nuclear power like people fall in love with it. But I mean, you know, it doesn't have to be one guy. It's, Didn't he? There's all uh, sorts of. Wait, no, I think he's I think he's against it. Cause, wait, doesn't he have? Isn't he? Uh, solar. City? He's yeah. Uh, solar, have, oh. Yeah. Well, now it's Tesla roof tiles, which is a complete yeah. uh, boondoggle. They don't exist. Oh, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, and it's. I thought he had uh, something to do with trying to get California to close Diablo Diablo Canyon. Yes, he was part of so, that because yeah. it's a marketing opportunity. People are mm. set on this idea of batteries and solar panels and batteries. Don't get me started with batteries. It, it's such a foolish idea. Like I don't know about you, but the battery in my phone is the bane of my existence. <laughs> and you want to power yeah. grid level amounts of power. Do you know how many batteries, oh, batteries. that would take? Yeah. Like, like energy storage, forget about it. The, the only energy storage that matters right now is called pumped hydro. That's where you just pump water back into a reservoir and let it run down again. And that's, the, you know, we have these batteries and like, you know, that South Australia ones that Elon Musk put up. They hold like six minutes of power <laughs> six minutes so and people have this like oh they're they're storing energies but actually you can use batteries on a grid level to smooth out transitions from different sources so but mm-hmm. they're very limited so all batteries are like grid scale batteries and they aren't quite grid scale yet they're small percentage of it they're used to just kind of smooth out the the supply and demand at a moment's notice so right. Like I have a um, uninterrupted power supply thing in the living room in case anything goes down. So I have, you know, a good, but yeah, it's it's like maybe 15 minutes or, or half an hour of, of juice to run my internet and TV and whatever. So it's, and, it's good and, to have and batteries do need to get better, but they're, you know, they're going to get a lot better. 
Yep. And and here's another. I mean, eventually, yeah, we might get to the point where storage for some renewables will match that that nuclear can do. But but if you think about it, renewables plus storage, that's building your infrastructure twice. Mm. When with a nuclear power plant, you build it and it's in service for you can run these things. They're so they're built so robustly, they can last a hundred years. No joke. People think that's scary, but no. Like the 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 concrete and the steel and the reactor vessels can handle crazy amounts of stress. They're, I mean, they're, they're meant to. And it's, I kind of forgot what I was, where I was going with this. <laughs> but, um, um, oh, and so here's a thought experiment. There's this idea that we're all going to live in ranch style houses with solar, with Tesla solar tiles, with the Tesla parked in the, Garage. This is great marketing, by the way, uh, with a Tesla power pack. You know, so you have a Tesla roof, Tesla power pack, and a Tesla car. Okay, but sprawl is the enemy of nature. It, it is like I am anti-sprawl. I, I think we need to build up, not out. Yeah. And how are people in a big apartment building going to all use solar panels on the apartment building's roof? Right. No, no, no. It doesn't it's scale. Just, it, it doesn't work. It, it simply doesn't work. And it's and the sad part is, is that around the mainstream environmental uh, global warming movements, what I'm saying will get me yelled at like it's, mm. you know, and I would say so these are the organizations which people should be wary of 350.org. Uh, Bill McKibben is the guy who runs it and, and he, they pushed the 100 percent renewable energy idea. But they don't talk about nuclear. Uh, Greenpeace is ultimately cancer. Uh, anything Greenpeace says, don't listen to them, honestly, except maybe some of their conservation stuff. I don't know. But uh, they're strictly anti-nuclear. Uh, Sierra Club used to be pro-nuclear until this dude named David Brower from California took charge of it and stigmatized nuclear power because he wanted to keep you know, California from getting too overpopulated by people. Um, and this is true, by the way, people look into this um, and, and now they're anti-nuclear and it doesn't make any sense. Uh, NRDC, National Resource Defense mm-hmm. Council, they're anti-nuclear and they have not budged on their decision to stay anti-nuclear. Uh, EDF, Environmental Defense Fund, they're anti-nuclear um, and the list kind of goes on, on and on. And there's this idea of pushing 100% renewable energy, which is a term to exclude nuclear. Mm, which makes Cause sense. Because te- technically, you have to mine some uranium. So it's, there, it's on a technicality that they're excluding nuclear. And it's, it's, it's not okay. It's not okay. We have, you know, because natural gas is so cheap, they get a pollute for free. Uh, and when renewable energies are basically paid for to just exist by the government, uh, it makes nuclear look like a stupid option for utilities. And I mean, can you blame them? I mean, a- economics matters. <laughs> and they're, these plants are closing down and they're saying, oh, we're gonna replace them with renewables. So you're telling me in a climate crisis, we're gonna replace carbon-free electricity with carbon-free electricity? Let's start attacking the fossil fuels, for Christ's sake. like. I'm sorry, yeah. this I get I get super <laughs> it's I mean it, it it makes me just angry because it's like 
these plants are closing. Like we've, you know, Three Mile Island's going to close later this summer, which, by the way, one reactor was totaled, but and it's not operating. But the other one's been operating just fine since the since the quote unquote disaster, which was completely contained. It just fucked up one reactor of theirs, but it was mm-hmm. contained. You know, so and it, you know the cleanup took was meticulous because you have to you know be careful getting all like the melted rods out of there and putting dry casks and whatnot. Uh, oh, and yo, check this crazy shit out. Did you know Chernobyl operated to like 95? The Wait, same what? plant. What? Yeah, the same The same plant. So uh, Chernobyl happened in 1986. It was one unit. The other unit operated till the 90s, wow. mid 90s. People worked there. Worked there. Oh, yeah. Shit. That's nuts. But, but it wasn't. That. But it's not radioactive enough to hurt anybody. I mean, mm. you can't be there. I think I think it was like you can't be there for more than a twelve-hour shift, or or something. And it was on the other side of the building, so you're shielded from the bad part of, of, of the you know of the ruined reactor. And Chernobyl did not even have a concrete containment dome. They're basically built in warehouses. Mm. So it's still scary, but <laughs> we don't build yeah. them like that anymore. Yeah. No. So it's called the RBMK reactor, I believe. Um, and after Chernobyl, the IAEA helped the Soviets basically retrofit all these same reactors that they had with much safer, uh, you know, systems. And so, yeah, those reactors don't exist anymore. Um, so... But but yeah, so we have these power plants closing, and they're replaced exclusively by guess what, gas. And then you see the headlines that are like capacity. No, no, the price of no. Wait, how did it go? It's like coal is being. God, I'm I'm trying to figure out how to say this. It's like. Mm. How do they say it? It's like, oh, the capacity of uh, coal and capacity, not just remember that, capacity of coal now is less than the capacity of wind and solar. That's that's such a misleading statement. It makes me sick. Uh, renewables aren't killing coal. Gases. Mm. Gases. And uh, it's it, the gas industry profits immensely from that because it makes them look clean. No. No, we're switching from coal to gas, and people are making it seem like renewables are picking up the slack. They're not. Every nuclear power plant has uh, been replaced by by gas. Bernie Sanders, he talks the talk about climate change, but he let the single uh, nuclear power plant in Vermont close, and it, their uh, emissions shot way up. It provided, I think, like 70% of the state's electricity. Don't quote me on that, but a lot. Yeah. A lot. And uh, yeah, and n- no one calls him on that. I think more people are waking up to the fact. But yeah, this 100% renewable energy meme is is not is really not valid because it's 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 a technicality. It's not a scientific term. You know, we should be looking at carbon free. And Absolutely. that's it. And carbon taxing and i think an interesting addition to having a carbon tax would be 
be to have a carbon buyback. So if you collect it and you store it, you know, uh, what's what's the word? So if you collect it from, you know, the air, the ocean or whatever, like compress it in blocks or whatever, here you go. Government mm-hmm. will buy that shit back and sequester it underground. I think that would be an interesting kind of cycle thing to not only be like, yeah, if you're going to make some, we're going to charge you. But it, if you capture a bunch, we'll buy it back. I think that would be a, a good economic model for uh, how to really decarbonize the environment in a right. And so let me rapid way because we're going to have to do yeah. that regardless. Right. If we stop that, today with emissions, we're going to have to do that regardless. And we'll talk about. I'll talk about kind of to wrap up what I think, what many scientists and nuclear power advocates want to happen to you know what policy measure that's evidence-based do we need to do and it involves pricing carbon but not in the way you think so there's this idea put out in the citizens climate lobby one of my favorite organizations uh definitely better than greenpeace 350 sierra club because it's they want to reach across the aisle and basically say okay what is the proper way to price carbon to not be cost effective anymore and it's called a carbon fee and dividend. Uh, and we can talk about this later on when we talk about Andrew Yang later, because he's yeah. saying we should use the fee and dividend to feed into a UBI for everybody. So basically the idea is you would start very small by pricing fossil fuel at the point of extraction per ton. because And then you can use a formula to figure out how many – tons of carbon dioxide that will produce once it's over with. Uh, and you start out small, but all the revenue is collected in one big pot and distributed back to every American mm-hmm. over the age of 18. So you would get a rebate to pay for your increased energy bills because Republicans are right. Switching from one source to another is going to cost money. And it's very, you do not want to shock the economy with expensive energy right away. It needs to be gradual. And it's, it's, so the idea is you would start pricing it lower, but then in 40 years, the prices would be so high, it'd be like, you know, it wouldn't make any sense to build a gas plant anymore. So it's like in the future, uh, you know, it's going to be unprofitable to to use uh, fossil fuel. So, um, but the idea that's revenue neutral and given back to every person makes a lot of sense. And I, and it's also technology neutral. So, I mean, they want everything carbon free, won't get taxed. And plus, I'd say, like you brought up, if you can sequester it somehow, you should get paid for that. Yeah, absolutely. You know. Um, Provides a huge incentive. You know, right, right. And people have this idea, oh, we can't do carbon sequestration because it takes power to do it. And power is polluting the world. It doesn't have to. It doesn't have to. Where's nuclear? Where's nuclear? That, that's what you want, right? Like, oh, my gosh. Uh, oh, uh, we need to use less energy. No. Switch it with nukes. Use more energy. The more energy we use, the better society is and the less we rely on nature. Energy is is good. People are like, let's, we're going to have to use less energy. That is such crap because twenty one hundred by 2100, energy use is expected to triple from what it is now. And we are already over 
90%, I believe, no, I think we're 85% fossil fueled globally. And it's, it's going to increase because countries are leaving poverty like India and China. And it would be morally effed up to say, oh, no, you can't have cheap electricity. No, it's if we want to talk about quote unquote white privilege or, you know, first world privilege, that's basically saying, hey, we get our high energy lifestyle for cheap, but you guys have to figure it out someplace different, you know, yeah. as some way different. And well, let's have the the grass huts in Africa get one solar panel on them to charge a phone and a flashlight. These people need washing machines. They need refrigeration. They need, you know, medical care that requires consistent energy. Uh, you know, it, it's it's just it's just so messed up and we really need to rethink it and yeah. you know so uh the, but the preserve i i really like your your um your point about preserving nature and giving giving huge chunks of the planet back to nature and just concentrating where you know like you're building up and not out and that's already that's happening really cool thing yeah and there the people are, are urbanizing um, yeah so i think that would be a whole episode on its own have you read uh or listened to Cth- what cthulhu <laughs> i'm just kidding cathedral of the wild by boyd vardy you know i i need to read more like full-on books i just read mainly articles a lot but yeah i i uh i'll i'll, ch- I'll look into it for sure he's there's a, all sorts of fascinating guy i'm gonna be doing book recommendations on the show and stuff too because i've been reading a lot of really cool ones but he's, so he he uh grew up on a on a game reserve in south africa and it's his story of you know over the years you know growing it and restoring the land and giving it back and he talks about you know like the elephants coming back and raising baby cheetahs it's a very very cool book very emotional and moving but it's it's kind of got that restoring nature and so if people are interested in the the philosophy that's evidence-based uh called eco-modernism there are some organizations i'm going to throw out there one is a think tank called the breakthrough institute i actually applied to them but mostly ivy leaders applied to them so i was like nah whatever but i'm i'm friends with one of the founders his name's michael schellenberger uh he is i call him nuclear jesus (laughs) because he is one of the most passionate and environmentalists i've ever had the privilege of learning about and i mean sorry i'm fangirling a little bit here (laughs) but uh and he broke off from breakthrough institute which is mostly a think tank to hardcore nuclear protection activism and his organization is called environmental progress um and uh so that's a pro-nuclear organization then there's this other pro-nuclear organization uh my friend eric his name's eric meyer uh it's called generation atomic and that's more geared towards young people and a glimmer of hope in all this is young people are not afraid of nuclear power mm-hmm. they just aren't uh they're worried about climate change so uh so they're more of a kind of youth you know nuclear advocacy group uh to get 
millennials involved and they were at uh, COP24 in Poland, I believe. And he actually, he said he kicked him. My friend Eric kicked himself by saying, I was like, I had the opportunity to talk to Greta Thunberg. You know, that girl mm-hmm. that uh, she's doing like the climate strikes in Europe for the, like the kids. Oh, you, you don't know about oh, that yet. Oh, are like, they, is it, are, are those the kids who are suing? No, that's in, that's oh. the United States. This is just, oh. she like, yeah, she's okay. from Sweden. Uh, and it's like organizing these like school strikes where kids just leave school and oh, rally goodness. in the streets. But I mean, you know, she's just a kid. I mean, kids are smart. I'm not going to downplay kids ambition, but again, like, most of this is from what adults tell them. And it's like, we need to just demand the government do something. Well, where's the technological approach to it? Mm-hmm. You're just saying we have to be off fossil fuels. What's the alternative? We need energy and lots of it. Um, they, and actually like there was a Greta, like made a statement talking about how we can't, we don't have the priv- I mean, the time to talk about, whether we should use nuclear or not, we need to do it right now. And like, sorry, the universe is unforgiving and we need energy somehow. And no one's going to make drastic societal changes. People have this idea, oh, we're going to rework society to be more sustainable. I'm just like, no, that's that's never worked. There's central planning does not work. And it, in fact, sometimes makes people poorer for sure. And um, I'm I'm rambling here, but people are like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to, we need system change, not climate change. No, we need energy change. That's it. Energy change. We are, we can live our lives the way we're living and eventually we'll we'll reach human, peak human impact because population rates are going to start decreasing again uh, by I think 2050 the population rates are expected to apex. So the idea of overpopulation is actually mm-hmm. being kind of chiseled away at because yeah. basically it's, it's we're, we're, plateau we're at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're populating because people that exist right now are going to have kids, but the kids they have are going to be below replacement rate. So mm-hmm. less than 2.1 kids per female, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So, uh, uh, but but things in society are going the right direction. You know, uh, read Enlightenment now. I think that will give everyone a kind of a place to to start thinking about the world that's based in truth. Um, and But one thing that can mess it up is an inhospitable climate. You know, people are like, oh, we need to get rid of capitalism. No, I'm afraid climate change is going to make capitalism not work anymore. I of want course. capitalism I mean, to keep going. Like we need our supply chains. We need people. We need the division of labor. We need, you know, poorer countries to produce the goods and service for the richer countries so that they can leave poverty too. And it's not a zero sum game. Uh, but I mean, sorry, that's more political. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm a fan of the forces of capitalism, even though we need to make it work for people. So uh, that's, we will, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, doing our little episode about Andrew Yang too. Cause that's, uh, that's, that is a, another infinite 
wellspring of uh, inspiration and ideas to draw from. His ideas are fantastic, and I really I look forward to getting getting you on that one. But um, let's uh, yeah, let's this, bring this has been a great great conversation. What were you gonna say? Yeah, just to kind of end up. Let's we need to bring science and pragmatism and data and you know logical thinking back to the environmental movement and make it based on facts and not feelings uh environmentalism should be a science on in my opinion because you know it's nature nature is science you know you need to know what the hell's going on and not just how you feel uh and it's we need to get past this idea of oh we're gonna go back to a virgin earth no humans have made their mark you know, but that's not to say, you know, species haven't overtaken other species before in the past. Like, you know, maybe we're causing a major extinction, but there's still enough biodiversity left to keep it running. So mm-hmm. it's it's sad, but we just have to we have to limit our damage because we're a very powerful species that sometimes is too smart for our own good. We have unintended consequences, but we have to get good at playing the game in order to survive. So, yeah that's kind of where I'll end it. Wonderful. Well, this is, this has been a fantastic uh, conversation and what, what I was going to do and I might start doing this for every episode is when we have an interview like this and we have a lot of reference material, uh, I want to get that as a, as a Google doc and put that in a, a shield, a shared folder. So like long form show notes for like we can both pop stuff in there and links and references. Right. And then have a folder that that our listeners can access and go through and do it that way for like if you really want to get into it. I'll put stuff in the uh, episode description for uh, iTunes, but I think that would be another way to, to get a lot more information out to the uh, out to the audience if they if they're interested in this stuff which hopefully by the end of this conversation if they weren't interested about it before they're interested about it now i mean i've gone through a lot uh it's gonna take a while to source all these things but yeah. if uh, i'll listen through it and i'll 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 put a metric crap ton of links out for people to reputable sources mm-hmm. not yeah for food babe or some shit like that you know <laughs> Yeah, we we uh, we are going to be covering a lot of the, these anti-science ideologue type charlatans because there's a whole bunch of them. We're we're going to do little specials on them, I think, once a month or something. But I, I uh, think, yeah, future ideas yep. for the show. Richard Dawkins, I think, once said he'd be like, "Science, it works, bitches." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I want that on a shirt. I think I have one of his quotes on a shirt. I don't remember which. I have a bunch of nerd shirts. Yeah, anyway, for well, sure, we will make sure to direct people to your organization and uh, give people the proper links so they can learn more about this. And uh, thanks again yep. for coming on the show. This is awesome. For sure. And it's Americans for Nuclear Energy. And we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, we have a Tumblr blog and we have a YouTube channel with like two of our own videos that are quite small. But we're going to add more content later. But yep. And you can you know, go to our website, et cetera, et cetera. So, Oh, and you, you have a podcast of your own, right? Yeah. I only have three episodes up. I need a really, I promised people I'd do 12 this year. So I've really got to get back on it, but it's called climate fix podcast. Uh, and it's 
our first ep- our second episode we talked about things like synthetic fuels using nuclear power and nuclear rockets some cool stuff there and we talked about the the green new deal on another one but we're going to put more content up hopefully our next one we put up we'll talk about some of the candidates and you know where they stand on climate stuff yeah. like that so no that sounds great i'm definitely going to subscribe it's on uh, soundcloud listeners yep. should too yep it's on soundcloud and itunes nice Alrighty. Well, we will end it there, and I, I look forward to our uh, Andrew Yang interview because that's going to be a great conversation too. So, absolutely. I hope, we have, I hope to have you back many more times. Will do. Thanks All for right. inviting me. Yeah. Thanks for coming. Take care. Okay. Bye. Okay, well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. I look forward to having Phil back on many times into the future because I think he's a really cool and interesting guy. There's a lot of conversation to be had there. Before I close it out, we are introducing a new feature slash segment to the show, and that is listener voicemails to where we solicit uh, feedback from our audience so that we can include them in as well. We got two, uh, one from Aaron Hinman, or Aaron, as he uh, calls himself, and actually a dissenting viewpoint from uh, Eric LeBrant, which is which is always good. There's room for nuance in the discussion. Uh, but yeah, if you'd like to get in on the conversation, you can find our number on our Facebook page, or if you have a pen handy, it is area code six zero two. Four five six two two five three, and that just goes straight to voicemail. You can leave whatever you want, and uh, assuming we like it, we'll put it on the show. Uh, so with that, I'm going to close it out with these voicemails here, and we will see you next time. Hey, Jenner, it's A.A. Ron Hinman here. Um, I'm, uh, I do volunteer work for in nuclear outreach and education, teaching junior high kids about nuclear power. Uh, myself and a fellow pro-nuke activist, we went to a Green New Deal gathering at a trendy uh, cafe last couple weeks ago. And out of the 20 or 25 people that were there, we only found one that was uh, intractably anti-nuclear. The momentum is growing. We are moving towards where we need to go. Myself, personally, I just pray we get there in time. Uh, Thanks for your support. Appreciate your show. Hope to hear from you soon. Hi, Jenner. This is Eric LeBrant. My number is... And uh, I figured I'd play devil's advocate on your uh, nuclear power discussion. Um, the two biggest issues that I see with that, you know, and I would I would probably fall into your camp of, you know, the, the environmentalists who uh, <laughs> who fail to discuss that more, nuclear power more. Um, the two the two biggest issues that I see with that are are kind of built in. Um, first one is. 
you know, obviously the the scale issue. Um, solar power, I, I really think solar power is, is where things are ultimately going because of the tech product. As we continue to, to, uh, to explore it and develop the technology, it becomes more efficient, it becomes cheaper to manufacture, it becomes cheaper to roll out, um, but more importantly, it's infinitely scalable. So, um, you know, I, I can get a solar panel from Harbor Freight that's you know, this little tiny thing that charges up the battery on my, on my car as it sits in the driveway. Um, obviously, that's a very tiny amount of, of power, but it's a little tiny bit of power coming off the grid. I'm not charging that, you know, by plugging something into the wall. Um, and so whether it's a little tiny panel like that or something much, much bigger, you know, several acres, um, either way, it's pulling, it's pulling load off of those other power gen sources. Um, so there's the, so that, that's the scale issue. Um, and again, as, you know, as we continue to develop that technology, um, it becomes more efficient, it becomes more cost effective. We can look at different, you know, kind of different, uh, materials to use for, you know, for generating solar power. Um, you know, different, again, different methods of manufacturing. But that continues just like we've seen with Moore's Law and computing. Um, the other issue is kind of the the environmental issue when it comes to nuclear, and that's sort of part and parcel with the scale issue. Um, right now, if I hop in my if I hop in my Nissan Leaf, um, having charged it off the grid, um, in you know here in Washington State, uh, right now it's a it's a hydro powered car in a lot of the state. If I drive just, you know, about 45 minutes or I guess an hour uh, north of here to Centralia, um, there's a coal-fired power plant there. And if I charge my car there, I'm running a coal-fired car. Um, but in any case, uh, that's one power plant with one set. Hey, Eric, sorry, looks like the uh, end of your voicemail got cut off there. Uh, there is apparently a three-minute limit on those Google Voice voicemails, so I'm going to look into the settings and see if maybe I can change that. Uh, otherwise, I'll, I'll add that into the uh, actual message when you call in. But it uh, sounds like you have some valuable insight, and we're going to be coming back to this issue of uh, environmental science and nuclear power probably quite a bit. So it'd be cool to get you on and... Uh, get your perspective the full thing and uh, maybe even give it a productive respectful debate going i think that would be uh, cool but thank you guys for calling in uh, we appreciate you participating in this project with us and uh, we're having fun and we hope you are enjoying what you're hearing so far anyway with that uh, thanks for listening guys we really appreciate it if you enjoy the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It might not seem like a lot, but it really helps get the show out there so more people can find it. MindWave is entirely listener-supported. If you'd like to support the show, you can send a one-off donation on PayPal, or you can get access to bonus content and the after show on Patreon. MindWave is also entirely listener-driven. If you'd like to join the conversation, check out our Facebook group. You'll find past episodes and more on our website, mindwave.media. If you have any questions, comments, corrections, ideas, or suggestions, 
shoot us an email at mindwavepodcast at gmail.com. Mindwave is produced by Studio Stargazer. Copyright 2019.